Gallup is good. It helps us internally know how we're doing. We wanted to take the next step, though, and get an independent third party to get us the certification so that we could use it from a recruiting standpoint. We want people to know that we are a great place to work. Welcome to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. My name is Chris Thompson, your host of the show and the head coach of the Student Works Management Program. This is a show dedicated to young and ambitious entrepreneurs and ultimately the leaders of tomorrow. Each week, we will bring you an inspiring interview or message to help you create the future you know you deserve. Let's get started. Hey, leaders. Super excited to be bringing you Dan Sharp, who is the uh, president of InfoWare, which is a software and ISP business. And he'll talk more about what that actually means. And we basically jump off his previous podcast that was October of 2019, how they cope with recession, what it meant to their business, uh, steps that they took. One of the neat things that they did is they identified an opportunity around company culture and how happy people were and how satisfied they were, not tremendously unsatisfied, but not absolutely crushing it. And so they went to the great places to work and looked to get certified as a great place to work. And uh, they went and uh, started tracking their staff and taking extra steps to make sure that they're satisfied. And this past year, they've become identified as a great place to work. He'll talk about that, talk about how important company culture is and, and employee satisfaction and the uh, the challenges that he has overcome to get their business into a really great spot. And he's not satisfied. He wants to keep keep growing and keep getting their business into a better and better spot for their staff and their, their clients and the company itself all at the same time. So I know you're going to love this podcast. Please listen to it. And the first podcast that, that I did with them, that'll run right afterwards. And you know why we do all this? To find amazing people uh, like Dan Sharp. So if you know any amazing young leaders who are looking for great opportunities to step into, shoot me an email, cthompson at studentworks.com. Um, look at our website, studentworks.com. Shoot them this uh, podcast so they can hear about what our amazing alumni go to do as a result of doing this work as a late teenager, early 20-year-old. Have a unbelievably great day. Thanks so much. Welcome back to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast, Dan. Oh, thanks very much, Chris. Uh, yeah. Pleasure to be here with you. Well, so excited. We, we've sort of worked out of what we're going to talk about in advance of the rebroadcast, our, our, our conversation that we had October of 2019. Wasn't a, di a different world. <laughs> and sure was. we had this pandemic coming down that we were not aware of, but pretty, pretty cool. So just to catch people up, you basically run two businesses. And why don't yep. you just share what those two businesses do? Sure. So we, uh, two businesses, one is a, we're a managed service provider, which uh, basically means we provide outsourced IT uh, support for law firms, predominantly in Toronto, typically small to mid-sized firms. Think of it in terms of we do pretty much anything related to IT for those clients. Our other business is a software business. Essentially, it's a Microsoft Word add-in designed for legal professionals and a template management system. And really what it does when you boil it down is it allows legal professionals to draft, edit any legal document that they work on in a much more efficient and consistent manner. 
And really, when you distill it down, our value proposition is that we can save legal professionals upwards of an hour every day because they use Microsoft Word so much. Um, but Microsoft Word was not designed for legal professionals. Right. And so that's where we come in. We basically took it and designed it for legal professionals. And it's used all around the world where business uh, uses English or has English as its uh, language of choice. Right, right. And I know you've your your company has won all, all sorts of awards for for the service that you're providing. Uh, but let's let's go back because I, I just re-listened to our podcast and and we really were, didn't talk uh, as much about the 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 business and where we were. Uh, we we're just believing it was going to be successful. And there's obviously a lot of things to be successful. But let's get behind the curtain. Where sure. were we as we took this business over, bought this business? And, and walk us through some of the challenges that you were facing. There were a lot. Uh, we could probably spend the entire podcast on the issues that that, that we encountered. But, right. but, but in a nutshell, it was one of those things where after we bought the business, there were a few, a few unfortunate events. Uh, mm-hmm. One being our largest MSP client decided that they wanted to um, provide the service or do, uh, do the services themselves. Mm-hmm. And in fact, we didn't have an agreement in place or there wasn't an agreement in place with the previous owners. And and they actually took one of our star employees to go work with them. So we got whacked twice, lost a star employee and lost an account that represented probably 15, 17 percent of our total revenue. Wow. So that hurt. That really hurt. And then not a few months shorter. And by the way, that literally happened five or six weeks after we bought the business. So it was virtually as soon as we start this happened. So, so that was, that was a punch to the gut for sure. Yeah. Uh, and then a few months later, another account we lost through no fault of ours. They merged with another large law firm and they had their own internal IT services. And so they no longer required our services. So to net it out, those two accounts represented the better part of 25% of our total revenue. So right. significant. Yeah. So that was one issue that we encountered. On the software side, after we bought the business, within a few months, Microsoft came out with a new version of Office, and it was 64-bit compatible. That was an option, either 32 or 64-bit compatible. Our software didn't work in 64-bit compatibility mode, which meant our software was virtually useless. So going forward, as clients migrated to a newer version of Office, we had to completely redo, rebuild our entire flagship piece of software. And what's interesting, Chris, is this is not an app. This is not something that we could go and create in a day, a week, a month. This is an enterprise piece of software. We've now been working on it for, well, we started back, um, and uh, sorry, uh, beginning of 2018, and we're still working on it. I mean, it's, 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 you know, you never finish it, but right. uh, it took us a number of years to get it to the point where it was ready for prime time. And uh, I'm happy to say that most, if not almost all of our existing clients have migrated to the new platform Right, and the software is doing exceptionally well. So we've taken a negative and turned it into a positive. Would I like to go through it again? No, probably not. Uh, I think in some respects, not really so not coming from the software world right i'm not sure i had a complete 
appreciation for how long a journey it would be. Right. But it's worked out very well. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And so, so, so it, it was like, these were things that really blindsided you when you, 100%. you and your partner took this on. Uh, obviously yep. one of the thoughts that I had is fortunately you had more, um, more pennies in the penny, penny bank when you bought this company that you just didn't completely yep. stretch. Okay. We got this and now we're get it. And this is going to get a return. And here's, here's, here's how we're going to fit this through this window. You had, you had extra resources to call upon because obviously yeah. that's what was necessary. hundred percent. Yeah. We yeah. were, when, when we lost the two accounts, yeah. uh, we were losing money. Yeah. Full stop. We yeah. were losing money in a substantial amount, um, yeah. but we did, we did have access to, to funds, which mm -hmm. would, uh, you know, I think, I think our, based on our burn rate and the funds that we had, um, we had probably upwards of about two years Okay. to get to a profitable position. And it didn't take that long. We, yes. we, we, we embarked on a whole bunch of different uh, initiatives, cut some costs, added some accounts, which was the big one. Yeah. Um, and by doing that, we were pretty darn quickly able to turn it from a negative to a, to a positive. So, yeah. so you're a pretty good. Uh, sales it worked guy. out well. You're a pretty good sales guy. Uh, well, thank you. Um, <laughs> I didn't, but I didn't do the selling myself. Okay, we had okay. a team of individuals awesome. who, who were able to do it. And, awesome. and uh, you know, there, there certainly was some, some good fortune along the way. Uh, mm -hmm. But I do believe that, you know, you work hard and you put the right things in place that good things will happen. So, yeah. um, you know, there were yeah. a couple, couple accounts that just sort of called us out of the blue and said, Hey, we need this. We heard this. Yeah. Yeah. And, awesome. and it worked out really well. So, yeah. yeah. Well, and one of the things as well is, is, is that that's actually something to think about, I think, in business, quote unquote, is we do get just like things that just slam us on the side of the head, like, oh, my God, where'd that come from? And I've had a number of them in my decades of business. And you're right. Then as well, there's things that go, oh, wasn't that a blessing? And didn't that macro event help me? You know, so, so, so again, if, if, you know, uh, there are some things that you mentioned, bad, bad, bad. Oh, and then we got some good things going our way. So that's so that's really good in that overall, it's the the steps that we regularly take and the habits that we regularly have as a company, the cultures that we have that really determine our success. So so one of the other things is obviously we have this pandemic. OK, so so just how did Infoware adjust, you know, you know, uh, mutate themselves to maximize their performance? Yeah, great question. So. This is one of the times when we were pretty fortunate, fortunate in the sense that when you think about an IT business, uh, it played an even larger role or a more significant role for a lot of people because they had to move from an office environment to a home environment. Mm -hmm. And so that represented uh, a real opportunity for us on, on a few fronts. One, people needed equipment, so they needed right. laptops and, and monitors and whatnot. So that certainly helped. Probably the bigger one was it allowed us to change the infrastructure of a lot of our clients. So mm -hmm. the vast majority of our clients now are 100% in the cloud. We deal with Azure. We're a certified partner with Microsoft. Right. And the vast majority of our accounts are now 100% in the cloud, which enables them to work from anywhere. All they need is a laptop and they're able mm -hmm. to, um, to remote in and, and they're good to go. So that was right. extremely beneficial. The other thing that worked out, and again, this is 100% luck. Our office lease expired in July of 2020. Wow. Just, and I had been trying, Chris, for three years to find new office space. We were growing. We needed more space. 
but it was incredibly competitive in downtown Toronto to find the space. Unless yeah. you knew an agent who had the listing, you weren't getting it. It was gone before it was actually posted to the market. Wow. So we tried, we tried, we tried. We just kept renewing on one-year leases with, uh, with our current provider or agent. Pandemic hit. We switched or we moved to an online or a remote uh, business. And we haven't looked back. We didn't renew our lease yeah. and we haven't had one since uh, July of 2020. Wow. And I'm not sure we will ever go back. Ever go back. Yeah. And then and then you, you, you work on how to do this and still maintain culture, still maintain, you know, the, can, can, you know, the, uh, the, the workflow and the success of, of, of the clients. But but um, what an opportunity, because that also helps helps the bottom line, too, you know. It absolutely does. And the other residual benefits is because we're remote, we're able to hire from pretty much anywhere in the world. Oh, fantastic. Right. And so the skills are completely transferable. And we, you know, there's, uh, yes, we still have a requirement to go on site for some of our clients. And so we need people who are local for sure. Yeah. But we can also have others or or supplement or complement our existing staff or team with people who are you know, remote. And when I say remote, I mean, in other jurisdictions, other countries Philippines other or wherever Europe or who, who yeah, South Africa, Brazil. Yeah. Um, yeah. We've got, we, you know, we've got a person who's out in Calgary now. We had one in Halifax. Yeah. Um, so, so across Canada, but also across, across the globe as well. You know, one of the things uh, just, just there, there is kind of a, a wage impact that people pay in Toronto because it's much more expensive to live. So you've got to pay more to attract them. So all of a sudden that's a, that's a potential win-win packing dance business can attract better people and pay them more or, or find that mix of, 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 uh, of value um, to, to attract, um, you know, uh, people who are super excited with the wage they're offering, et cetera. So just lots of opportunities. Yeah. And the other, another interesting thing is that, Look, let's let's be real. Buying a house in Toronto is yes. very, very difficult. And so yeah. we've had some people who have moved to outer line areas, whether it's Kitchener, or Peterborough, yeah, or even farther north. And they've done it. They're able to buy a house there. They're happy. They're able to work with us. They don't have mm-hmm. to worry about a commute. It's yeah. worked incredibly well. Uh, these are people that have been employees of ours for an extended period of time. And you know, we love working with them and, and they seem to enjoy working with us and it's worked out incredibly well. They can they can live where they want to live and buy a house and and uh, we're thrilled to still have them work with us. Fantastic. Yeah, that's that's really exciting. And you're right. That's actually a retention retention piece. Right. So. So, again, you know, a lot of times that person would, again, move and you'd lose them. Right. Where yeah, now yeah. they're moving and they're like, fantastic. I've got this excellent opportunity. Right. So. So isn't that, a, a again, another wonderful thing? Totally. Yeah. So. So. So I know one of the things, um, you know, uh, that 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 attracted me to have you back on the podcast was was the the great place to, to work. Uh, designation that you got. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, um, and so I just wanted to hear again, I could tell that the business was winning. I saw that on LinkedIn, just so everyone knows. And, and so then since then, we've, we've had a number of conversations. And first of all, thank you for coming and speaking at our event next, uh, next, next Friday. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, Looking but, forward to but, it. but, uh, but also just, um, it's, it's, I'm, I'm interested in hearing sort of the backstory of, of where you were and what's, what's happened and, and all the information that you, we were talking about before. Yeah, great question. So, so culture within a business has always been important to me. I, I feel like as the owner of the business, 
and the person responsible for, for leading the team. It's my responsibility to make sure that the culture is good. Right. And so when, when we bought the business, it was run essentially as a family lifestyle business. Right. Uh, we needed to make some changes for, for obvious reasons. Uh, we wanted to grow the business. Uh, we truly believe that you need to grow the business for a variety of different reasons, not the least of which is it enables you to reinvest in the business and provide more for your employees, provide better service. And so we, we felt like, you know, we need to really understand what is our culture. And we had to change it, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. And change isn't always something that everyone jumps on board with. Right. And so what we wanted to do was make sure, okay, if we're going to change the culture, we're going to have to monitor it and make sure that it's resonating with, with the team right. and making sure that they're on side with it. And, and you know, there, there really were two things that we did that helped with our culture. One, we uh, adopted the entrepreneurial operating system framework. Mm-hmm. And simultaneously to doing that, we started measuring our culture. And we follow the Gallup G12 employee engagement survey. And there are 12 questions, uh, everything from how satisfied are you with your job to I have the right materials to do my job. Uh, I receive recognition. Uh, I've, someone has talked to me about development. There's 12 different questions. Yeah. You get right, you, employees rate them, uh, rate the business on a scale of one to five from uh, strongly disagree to strongly agree. And then you look at the results and you you know where you need to be, which is uh, anything above a four, which is agree or strongly agree, yeah. is where you're striving to be. And so when we first embarked on that back in 2017, there were some areas of improvement for us. Right. Uh, a lot of areas of improvement. We identified four. We focused really, really hard on those four areas with different initiatives. Um, we created more events within our organization to try and build up camaraderie. I mean, one of the realities within our two businesses is that a lot of people are, and you and I talked about this, a lot of developers and, and IT related people are introverted individuals by nature. Yes. And, you know, they're not always gung ho to go out and have a pint of beer or, you know, let's get to, together, to let's socialize, let's have an event, something that really works very well in a large part of our culture and not something that that really works. And and the fun thing as well, just to our leaders, we've actually stolen the Gallup poll or we call it rip off and duplicate R&D. <laughs> uh, and and so I, I read some great books and they say, oh, this is the best thing. OK, so we ask our team members in March, late March and then in July you know, how are we doing at these? And so, so, so when, when Dan shared, shared them, I go, Oh, I know those questions. <laughs> We've got those yeah. questions. Yeah. Yeah. And we, like you, Chris, we do it twice a year, completely yep. anonymous. And, and we gauge track every time our performance to see how we're doing. And, mm-hmm. you know, people would say, well, what sort of things would you do with, with some people who perhaps don't want to go out for a pint of beer? We, we would do spontaneous games nights where we would play board games, video games. And I got to tell you, Chris, you, you watch some of these people do video games. Oh, my goodness. It's, it's like incredible. It is a fight to behold. Oh, yes. absolutely incredible. And, and suffice <laughs> to say, I couldn't keep up. Um, yes, exactly. I, no, no, no ability to keep up. But, but it was a lot of fun. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and so we, we made a point of ensuring that we would do things that resonated with different people within the organization and we've continued that now truth yeah. uh, truth be told it's hard in a ro- remote environment 
Yes. It's harder in a remote environment, but but we're 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 still scoring well in that area. You know, we've done a bunch of online events. We've done an art class. We've done a um, like a family feud, but a worker feud. Awesome. Uh, which was great. It was a yeah. lot of fun. We use Kahoot, Kahoot, where we ask uh, uh, questions about the business and uh, we have prizes for things like that. So, so, um, but back to your question, which is, okay, so, so we embarked on the Gallup, we looked at it and, and it's really good. Mm-hmm. And as I was explaining to you, Gallup is good. It helps us internally know how we're doing. We wanted to take the next step though, and get an independent third party to get us the certification so that we could use it from a recruiting standpoint. We want people to know that we are a great place to work. Yeah. That's real important to us. I, I, I feel like, I don't know what your thoughts are about Glassdoor, but I think that Glassdoor is an interesting company because I think sometimes you can get some scathing reviews where people are hiding behind the fact that it's completely anonymous. And I'm not yes. sure that it's always or necessarily accurate. Yeah. Uh, you for sure well, can get some we, good ones. Just my, my experience is, well, first of all, we do really well in Glassdoor. So we're, we're, we range from like a four to 4.2. And one of the big things is I'm finding more and more um, like they're, they're accepting reviews from the United States. They're accepting reviews from, from overseas. We have no overseas. They're accepting reviews from people saying that I'm a software consultant. We're, 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 you know, those aren't jobs we have. And, 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 and we, we yeah. message them and they, they just do it. And then we're, they're, they're, they're clearly bots, some of them. Yeah. And, and yeah. so, so it's, it's unfortunately, I think they've, they've got some work to do, but it's something that we manage, but I definitely yeah. feel it's not, um, it's, it, I'm, I'm excited about this, this, the, the great place to work or, uh, um, uh, designation that it's a lot more thorough. It's a lot more thoughtful. It's, it's a lot more accurate, you know, and nothing, no, 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 not to, uh, not to degrade, uh, Glassdoor and what they're up to, but, yeah. uh, but yeah. yeah, it serves yeah. a purpose. It yes. absolutely serves a purpose. And similar yeah. to you, we score, yeah. we score well on it. We, yes. we're, we're above four and, and, mm-hmm. and, uh, it does two things. One, we want our employees to be proud of where they work. And if yes. they are proud, we want them to be aware that, that look, this is a good thing. This is something that, that, you know, be proud of, embrace it. You're part of it. And quite frankly, they're the ones at the end of the day that have really made a difference. Yes. And, and we want to celebrate it. We want people to, to know that we're proud of it and we appreciate the work that they've done. And as I, I mentioned to you before, we're of the mindset, better, better, never best. So yes. it's just continual improvement. Yes. Are we happy with where we're at? For sure. Are we satisfied? Are we going to stop? No, we're going to continue yeah. to improve. We know what our scores are and we know what, where we want to be. And it's, and it's uh, continual improvement. Yeah, no, we, we have the same thing. Uh, Michael Dell, uh, happy and never satisfied. Uh, so it's just, it's just yeah. living that in constant, never-ending improvement. And again, but not with an edge. Right. Not with an edge, not with any toxicity, but just just and hey, let's get better. And the great thing about about our business is when we get better, that means our average operator income goes up and their profit goes up and our coaches make more money. And, you know, so so and yes, the company makes more money. So it's it's we're all looking to raise the boats because everyone's winning. Right. And and so so I just I just love that. So. Um, so it's, it's just been really, really amazing what, what, you know, y- your team has overcome, you know, just, just like really like a lot of people, those types of impacts when you bought the business literally would, could potentially put people out of business. 
and you yeah. turn it around from just just really really making an enormous progress. Yes, and and you know what, Chris, I wouldn't trade it for the world. I, yeah. I, I really wouldn't. I think that the one thing I've learned over my career is don't do anything for money. It, it's, yeah. it's 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 a byproduct. Do what you love to do. Make sure it's fulfilling. Mm-hmm. And if I, if I think back to my previous business, it wasn't fulfilling enough for me. There wasn't enough That's going on the learning side. Yes. Yeah. Money was great, but, yeah. but I wasn't getting enough from it. I, I, I liken this business to a thousand piece puzzle yeah. and it's incredibly complex, uh, particularly for someone like me mm-hmm. who is not technical by nature. So to understand yeah. a software piece of software and it related issues, that's, that's not my strength. Yeah. And, and I honestly feel like, uh, it's often put in three or four pieces mm-hmm. and one or two come out and then you put three <laughs> or four more in and one or two come out. Okay. But if I think about the puzzle, yeah. we've come a long, long, long way. We're not done. Love it. Love I don't it. know if we'll ever be done, yeah. but, but we're making significant inroads and making great progress. So Great. Well, one last focus that I wanted to 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 take just just if I could take a little bit more of your time is your experience with Evolve and peer groups. Just to sure. share share just just again, um, and the the value of that and what you've taken from from that and your your role in those organizations. I would say, Chris, that that if there was one piece of advice I could give to to young entrepreneurs, it would be use peer groups and coaches. Mm-hmm. They're invaluable. The experience that you gain from others who are in a similar situation to you uh, is, as I say, it's invaluable. If you mm-hmm. if you think about uh, the owner, operator, CEO of a business, there's no one, nobody within the business that can necessarily relate to the issues and problems and challenges and opportunities that you have to deal with. Yeah, you get in a peer group. And it's amazing how it doesn't matter what the industry is. Mm-hmm. The issues, the problems, the challenges, the opportunities are very similar. Yeah. And I, as I mentioned, I'm part of three different peer groups and, and they're from all around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them is, you know, there's a South African, there's people from the U.S. Uh, another mm-hmm. one is a local one here in Toronto that focuses heavily on, on uh, software related businesses. And then I'm part of Evolve, which is uh, for MSPs or IT related businesses. And that too is a North American based peer group. Right. And it's, it's, we spend, um, we go to four different locations in the U.S. each year. We spend the better part of a week. Wow. There's a tremendous amount of scrutiny. We share all of our financial information. It's scrutinized. It's compared against others. And so you get an idea of what best in class looks like. I could tell you, you know, off the top of my head, exactly what a best in class MSP should be putting to the bottom line. Right. It's that valuable. I could tell you what we should be spending on labor, what we should be spending on sales, how many people we should have, what all the different ratios are. There's hundreds of different ratios. You can't get that if you're not part of a peer group. Right. And then we scrutinize it. We share best practices. And it doesn't matter. I mean, you know, some of the peer group, most of my peers and the peer group I'm in are from the United States. Right. So I'm not competing with them. Right. But the information, the issues that that they encounter, virtually identical to what I'm encountering. So I think it's invaluable. And, and, And if I think about your business, I think about if you've got hundreds of different operators 
the issues are going to be the same, whether they're yeah. in Guelph, Toronto, Collingwood, yeah. you know, out West, out East, it, it's yeah. the same. Right. Yeah. And then from a coach standpoint, they've got, you know, access to a whole, obviously a, a, a district manager or a VP, but yeah. others as well that they can ask questions yeah. that they may not be able to ask of anyone else. They've got yeah. a peer group. They have peers that they can, they can use or utilize to help them solve uh, any issues that they're encountering. Yeah, no, it's well, you know, just by the sounds of it to make that it'd be a significant investment for you, Dan, in time and money to go and belong to those groups and our operators and our business get it for free. Meaning that's what that's what's there. And, and sorry, obviously they pay us and their coaches, but yeah. their operators. And and that's one thing, as I was sharing, that's what people have set up more and more peer groups. Um, the teams are set up as peer groups and then they'll have, they'll, they'll, they'll connect with each other. So as I like to say, there's a, there's a, um, a competitive and a cooperative nature. And that's what happens in peer groups as well. I've been in a peer group. It's 27 years. And I got to tell you early at, at different times, I've been at the bottom of the peer group because you can't help but look right? You can't help yep. but look, yeah. what's the revenue? Yeah. What's the profit? And now I'm not at the top of the peer group, but I'm, I'm, I'm a much higher, uh, which is, which is great. And people are cheering for me and people are like, wow, that's fantastic. And that yes, people, as, as I moved up and people have moved up and down, it's when people are moving up, there's cheers, there's no, there's, and it's competitive. So there's that competitive yeah. cooperative and here, I want to help you. And it's just so great. So, uh, so thanks for pointing at that. It's okay to not have the answer. You don't, just because you're leading a business does not mean that you have to have answers to all of the issues and problems that you encounter. Yeah. Hence the beauty of a peer group, ask the question. And, yeah. and even, even if you do think you have the answer to get a different perspective is invaluable. Even if you don't agree use with it, it yeah. or use it, yeah, it still helps you better understand what different possibilities there are make a more informed decision. So yeah, well, I think it, they're invaluable. It, yeah. I, I also even, okay, I'm choosing this for these reasons. Someone else felt this and had experience around this for these reasons. Well, let's make sure that those things aren't happening or right. I'm, 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 I'm checking the blind spots of this decision because yeah. here's the risks of this decision and I'm checking and I'm maybe putting new things in, or I'm, I'm doing some more handholding because, because maybe the, the thing I did was a little bit more aggressive or assertive or who knows what, but, but it's just like, you're right. It, it just broadens your experience to when you're doing something, you, you see the whole, uh, a, a much broader picture. Yeah, for yeah. sure. So, so Dan, final question, just anything yeah. else that you'd like to, anything else that we're missing, anything else that you think would be helpful to share with our, our, our leaders today? I would say that, you know, I've, I've, I've been fortunate that I have worked as an entrepreneur, owning businesses, starting businesses. I've worked in corporate Canada, mm -hmm. uh, worked at Canon, as you know, for a number of years. I would say that, look, all of them, all of them have their benefits. Find find out which one is best suited to you. I know for me, it's I love the challenge of running my own business. I love waking up and thinking, okay, what's today's issue or problem, problem or solve. opportunity yeah. that we need to work on? And as I said before, you know what? What what really resonated with me is I know for me, I need to have a challenge. Yeah. Running a business where I can go and play tennis or work out for uh, an hour or two every day 
and not feel like I'm pushed and challenged. Not that, look, exercise is fantastic and I'm a big believer of it. Mm. Um, but I need more than just that. I need yeah. that mental stimulation, that challenge. And, and so my advice would be find something that resonates and works with you. And if that is that you need, you know, a real challenge, yeah. embrace it, yeah. embrace it. And don't focus on the money. That'll take care of itself. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. And and again, I remember, you know, your boss express business, it was like a, a, yeah. a very a great return. And again, not challenging Dan enough. So it's like, Hey, I'll look to sort of uh, find something else that, that may not, hopefully it'll be a great return. At one mm-hmm. point it didn't look like a great return. I'm no. sure now it is a great return. <laughs> uh, but, but again, the challenges along the way, make it uh, a lot of fun. And it's rewarding. Chris. At the, at the end of the day that, you know, nobody wishes or wants to encounter these gut punches. Yeah. But I'll tell you what it does do. It makes you sort of look inward and figure, okay, what can we do differently? What can we do better? Yeah. And so, and then it helped us come out on the other side much, much stronger. For sure. Kind of like it, it's like this idea of a recession doesn't have to be bad. Yeah. A recession forces or a down economy forces you to look at your business optimize it, make sure that you're doing all the right things so that when you can still do well, in fact, I'd argue you can do better because if your competitors aren't doing well, they don't have a good or solid balance sheet. You can potentially pick them off or buy them at a recessed or decreased value. And when the economy then does pick up, you've got a well-oiled machine. You've got a business that is optimized. And if it's optimized to do well, you're you're only going to do better. So I think that's important to know. Absolutely. Fantastic. Hey, leaders. I hope you are enjoying this podcast. As we approach and surpass 300 episodes, well over 95% of the leaders that we have interviewed have been alumni of the Student Works Management Program. It has been an honor to participate in their development over the years. Starting now and only for the fall months, We will be on campus at universities and colleges in Ontario, Quebec, and the East Coast, interviewing students who think they have what it takes to start their first business and get started down the path of entrepreneurship. If you are interested in being a leader in our program or know someone who does, please go to the show notes and hit Student Works and get sent to a landing page to apply. There is a bold student works that you can hit to go to a landing page to apply. Thanks so much. Back to the show. So Dan, thank you very much for joining our podcast today. It's really awesome uh, to, to, to reconnect and get you on the pod. Thanks, Chris. My pleasure. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So, so like thinking back, you know, um, tell me what you were like before joining our program. Prior to joining Student Works, I uh, had been a camp counselor uh, for a number of years at a, an all boys camp up in Georgian Bay, which I, I really enjoyed. I, uh, as I say, I had done it for 11 years. I was three years as a counselor, enjoyed the outdoors, enjoyed being around people. Um, I was a high energy individual. I love sports. I did pretty well at high school. Um, I attended Huron University studying economics, um, and I loved I loved to have fun. I mean, I think that's how people would would describe me. I like to have a good time. 
And that hasn't changed. No, no. <laughs> and and no, as I, I recall, you were referred into the business. Is that right? Yeah. So Dave Fear, yeah. Dave Fear uh, had run a franchise the year before uh, I joined. Yeah. And uh, I mean, sure, as you well remember, Dave was best of the best. And he. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. And he he still is. He's running like a billion dollar hedge fund uh, and has wow. been for the last couple of years, uh, last sorry, couple of decades. Uh, so he's just been monstrously successful, you know, post uh, post student works. So, uh, so yeah, no, that's great. So, so um, if you think about what was your biggest frustration as a teenager before you got started running your business? I would say I loved to be challenged, but I didn't feel like school was really challenging. I went to school, I was learning. Um, I had this thirst to learn and to, to grasp knowledge, not, not just academically, but in other areas as well. And I just felt like that was missing. I wasn't learning at a, at a pace that was fast enough. I was kind of bored, right? right? And then the other big thing, and I don't know if this is a frustration per se, but I loved, probably even to the point where I craved it, was my own independence. Right. I loved the idea of not having to rely on anyone else. Yeah. And that was a real, that was a real attraction for me to join Student Painters because of what it would allow me to do or what I believed it would allow me to do or springboard into. Yeah, yeah, no. Um, and so what do you still rely on from the program? Wow. There, there are a lot of things. Um, I think the biggest is it's a foundation on how to run a business and what's involved in running a business. And, and I remember going to the training program or the training workshops 30 years ago and there were really probably three things that stood out in my mind. First one, the professionalism. I remember walking into, into these seminars and seeing just the way people were dressed, just the way they presented themselves, seeing how well organized it was, the support in that room, seeing the district managers, the general managers, how the meeting was, was set up, how prepared people were. And then I remember in these two weekend sessions, the amount or quantity of information one walked away with. And it's like how to run a business in a box. I mean, yeah. going through things like hiring and marketing and estimating and quoting and paint. I still to this day remember the idea of paint, resin, solvent, and the pigment, the RSP. That's I still remember that to this day as to, as to what constitutes paint. Yeah. And you know, even things like managing clients and how to manage customers and clients and employees. And then the last thing that really stands out is just the caliber of individuals. You could feel it, you could see it in the role playing. And I really felt like I was surrounded by people that were, they were going to go somewhere, these people. And I think the takeaway from that was that the that first impressions matter. And if you're going to do something, do your best. And I really truly felt like when I walked into that webinar, excuse me, that um, session, training session as a 19-year-old, I was blown away. It was just, it was incredible to see the professionalism and how well-structured it was. And I walked away from that and thought, okay, this is something I have to remember and take with me as I move forward. Awesome. Awesome. And I know you spend a number of years with us as a, as a, you know, superstar operator and a district manager, general manager, providing all sorts of leadership and, 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 uh, 
you know, like, um, how did you, how did you know running a business? Oh, here, sorry. No, just, I jumped too far ahead. So, so I know you went and a lot of our past operators have gone, you know, sort of the sales route. And maybe before we jump into that, you know, describe, you know, sort of what you see about um, sales and the type of people who teach teach sales and what organizations may make sense to go into sales. Because, you know, obviously that one thing that you have an, an elite, elite skill at is the ability to sell and always have. Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you. Um, certainly that comes from the four years that I was actively involved with Student Works, um, whether it was selling to clients or customers, whether it was working with other owner operators and helping them to hone their skills. I felt like it truly was an incredible way to feel comfortable and learn about this idea or notion of selling. And I was blessed that, that after Student Works and I moved to, to Canon. I mean, back in the 90s, Canon and Xerox were, they were the two hardware businesses to go into and sell. Yeah. I mean, we didn't have software then, right? It was, it was hardware. Right. You were selling copiers and, and fax machines. Now, that's changed, obviously, today. Right. But, you know, 30 years ago, um, hardware was what you sold. Right. And I remember going into Canon and, and they were blown away by not just me, because there were a lot of other people from, Can uh, from Student Works who went to Canon as well. Yeah. And just the skills that they had developed at such a young age. I mean, we're talking about people who were 21, 22, 23 years old, and they had skills, sales skills in particular, that were uh, on par or better than sales skills of other representatives that had been there for a number of years. And my experience, my recollection is that they progressed at a very rapid rate in the organization. Yeah, absolutely. No, and I, I, I recall that. Um, and, and you're right, really, it, it really is just so much different. It, 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 you know, and, and it's, uh, it's funny always to bring us back and say, hold on, Canon and Xerox are not the same companies they were three decades ago. They were really bleeding edge at that point. And not saying they're still, you know, spectacularly successful companies, but mm -hmm. they're really bleeding edge and attracting the best talent in the industry. Absolutely. So, so, so Dan, you know, tell me about your career pr progression and, and, and what you decided to do and why you decided to do it, you know, as, as you, as you, as you went along through, through, through Canon and beyond. Sure. I, uh, after student works, I went to Canon. I started off as a sales rep and concurrently I had written my GMATs to, uh, to hopefully get into, to do my MBA, which I did. So I was at Canon for about a year. I tried, I, I tried managing working full-time and going to school full-time. Right. I did it for about three months and then one had to give. Yeah. I, uh, uh Took a leave of absence from Canon. Right. Finished my MBA for nine months. Came back to Canon. Right. And continued sales rep. Right. And you know, interestingly enough, um, at Canon, I only sold for about a year, mm -hmm. and then I was promoted to a sales trainer. Right. And again, after another year, I became a sales manager. And I was young. I was Which twenty-six years old. And that's I was really probably, fast, right. That's really you know, fast. I I, I, I say this with complete sincerity. I, I truly believe a lot of it, if not all of it, 
was attributable to the work that I had done as student work spanning. Mm-hmm. And not just selling, right. managing. Right. It was this idea that, you know, running two years of, of a franchise and doing it successfully, and then helping other franchise operators help develop them, help them be successful. Basically, I was like a salesman. Yes. And more so. Yes. And so when I was a sales manager, I remember I was, as I say, 26 years old. The next youngest sales manager was probably close to 10 years older than I was. Yeah. People on my sales team, the sales team I was working with, were in their 30s, 40s, and some even in their 50s. Right. And I remember being very intimidated. But after a few days, probably a week, I felt like, you know what? I got this. I can yeah. do it. There is zero doubt in my mind because it is so similar to what I was doing at Student Works. Right. And you know what? I ended up doing that for a number of years. Um, I then became a national um, manager for major accounts. Right. And then I was a director of marketing, national director of marketing and solution support and business development. And so at the end, I had a team of, oh, I'd say it was about 100 to 110 individuals that uh, directly and indirectly reported up into me. And I loved it. I mean, Canon was and still is a fabulous organization, but something was still missing. Right. And when I left Canon, I decided to buy a business. And I bought a logistics business, courier, trucking, very old, it was antiquated, and I owned it for eight years. I modernized it, I helped grow it, and then I sold it. Right. Part of the reason why I sold it was I wanted another challenge. Right. Something that was even more of a challenge. And so I decided approximately four years ago with a partner to buy a software and an MSP business, something I knew nothing about. Right. But what's interesting is I truly believe that regardless of what business or what industry you're in, there's a lot of skills that are completely transferable. I mean, you're always trying to do the same thing. You're trying to increase your revenue. Right. You're trying to improve your gross margin. You're trying to reduce, reduce excuse me, operational costs or improve the operational efficiency. And then quite frankly, as an owner-operator uh, of a business, you want to improve your working capital situation. Right. So... I look at it and go, it doesn't matter what the business is. Those fundamentals don't change. It's right. the same thing whether I'm running a painting franchise, whether it's a logistics business, or whether it's a software or an IT business. Right. The principles stay the same. Right. And so I found now for the last four years, this has been an incredible ride. Right. Uh, I feel like the knowledge that I am gaining is tremendous. The, uh, one of the skills that I continue to develop that um, started way back 30 years ago at Student Works have proved invaluable in terms of helping figure out this puzzle as we embark on a major global campaign to sell our software. Right. We're in 30 countries now. And uh, we're, we're looking to release, actually, right now, our next version of the software. Uh, we deal with two thirds of the largest law firms in Canada. We deal with a number of global players, and, and I attribute a lot of this to what I learned a number of years ago when I started out with my painting franchise. Well, that's awesome. Fundamentals don't change. Yeah. So, so Dan, I'm going to jump back to where you are today and just the amazing 
stuff that you're doing um, with Infoware Canada. Um, I want to go back, though, to Canon and sort of helping our young leaders. You know, um, I think it's, it, a lot of our, our, our leaders are you know, they get, they come out of our program. They're extremely gifted salespeople. Sometimes they want to go up the sales management role. Sometimes they want to do what you've done, you know, the national brands selling into the huge companies. Yeah, um, yeah. And then, and then sometimes they want to do what you did as well, you know, become a national director or become a VP of a big company. So could you compare and contrast those roles, you know, um, in terms of the economics of it, in terms of what you're doing, in terms of, you know, um, just just who may like that type of a role versus this type of a role. And, and obviously, you excelled at all of them. Um, yeah, and, and yeah, yeah. Eventually, you decided to go run your own business. Uh, but but sure, again, sure. It, it'd be great for some of our young leaders to hear, hear that uh, parsed up by you. Sure. So um, when I think about the different roles I Canon. I mean, certainly Canon had and still does career sales reps. And these are really good jobs. These are people that are managing uh, accounts, a list of accounts, um, and, and they can carve a career out of it and a very good one. Mm-hmm. There's also the sales manager who is responsible anywhere from eight to maybe 10 individuals, right. uh, probably carrying a quota of somewhere in the five to eight million dollars on an annual basis depending on the type of accounts that we're looking after and then at the national account level where you're dealing with large fortune 50 maybe fortune 100 size companies uh, carrying quotas probably in and around a million to a million uh, and a half dollars per person right the team of eight you're somewhere in that eight to twelve million dollars range right as I say, most people spend a number of years in each of those different areas if they want to progress. Right. And it, it, the way that I looked at it as a sales manager, I treated it as if I was running my own business. Right. Right. Now, I get that I wasn't doing production. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, and I get that we weren't doing the after support, i.e. servicing the units, but I really treated it as if you were running a business. Right. And what I mean by that is you got to hire all your employees in terms of the salespeople. Yeah. You have to train them. Yeah. You have to teach them or show them or demonstrate to them selling. Mm-hmm. Then want to explain them because if you're in that position for a number of years, there's going to be opportunities to go back to that same account and sell additional services. Right. And so it really is something that I would argue is really or does become quite full circle. And as I say, it is something that uh, Canon, fabulous organization, fantastic training program, does a great job developing the individuals. And quite frankly, uh, another fabulous stop or place on my resume. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and so in terms of comparing and contrasting for yourself personally, what had you feeling like you needed to move from sales to sales manager to to director role, just just, and I know the reason, but 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 what for yeah. our so, so, I would say this, Chris. That I remember when I first started at Canon in a sales role, and I thought, isn't there more to it than this? Right. Like I wanted to do more. Mm-hmm. I was used to running a painting franchise, and then 
working with franchise operators. Right. And now all of a sudden, I'm just in the silo selling. Right. Yes, I'm nurturing the accounts and I'm going out to new accounts and I'm developing relationships, but I wasn't doing any of the profit, nothing to do with profitability per se. I wasn't truly marketing. We had a marketing department that was taking care of that. I wasn't responsible for actually building the product or anything along right. those lines. I mean, it was just whatever product you had. So while it was, it's fantastic from a sales perspective, there was an element that I was missed. Right. So then I wanted to move into something that would expand my skills. Right. So I got into marketing. And then eventually got into even solution support and business development. So right. I touched almost all the areas within Canon, save for finance. Right. And it helped hone a lot of the skills that I had previously developed at Student Works when I was at a much younger age. Right, right. So partly is for you, it's it's you know, and again, this is a great is a great thing, and and something that I I speak to a, a lot of the people in our in who are attracted to our business is people have big engines and they just want to do more. It's like it's they, they, it's kind of like compelled to do more. I want to take on the more challenging job. I could have made a great money and had a great lifestyle all my life just selling. There's no question you could have done that, right? You know, but you wanted to do more. You know, is and 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 you found that challenge uh, exciting. So, so, interestingly enough, Chris, yeah, you actually many of the progressions you earn less money. Yes, yes. When I went from a sales rep to a sales trainer, I got paid less. Yeah, I moved to a sales manager. Yes, I got paid more, but we were an elite, high performance team. We did very well. I moved into the marketing role. I took a haircut, got paid less money. Yeah. So it was never about that. Yeah. It was about other aspects in my mind of what fulfillment meant. And sure, you need to earn a living, mm -hmm. but it was never about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think, no, again, and, and it's, uh, I, I just wanted, I just wanted, you know, you to share that with our, our leaders to sort of, again, that career path, you know, yes, money's important, but there's, there's so, so much more, you know, so, so tell me about InfoWare, you know, what you saw as part of the, the, the opportunity and, and, and what you and your partner are digging into and, and, and developing. Yeah. Yes. So when we bought the business four years ago, um, it was a business that had tremendous list of clients. And we have the, the who's who of Canadian law firms that, that deal with us. We have law firms that are global in nature and some of the most well-regarded, well-recognized law firms in the world. Right. We had antiquated for old technology. Mm -hmm. And we've embarked on this mission to completely revamp our software. Right. It's excellent. We're really excited about what we're launching. And we are, when, when we bought the business, I believe we were in 14 or 15 different countries. Now we're upwards of 30 to 35 countries. And actually just a couple of weeks ago, we signed an order in Poland for a, a mid to large size law firm. So we're thrilled with that. And we're going to continue to grow and, and develop this business. Um, and what I mean by that is when, when, when we looked at the business, all of the leads were coming in through referrals. Right. There was no scalable process in place. There just wasn't. There were no leads. Right. We now got it. So we have a replicable demand generation model where we generate a number of good opportunities every single month. And we 
are growing at a nice pace, but we're going to grow even faster in 2020 and 2021 as we continue to branch out with our new solution to our clients. So we're real excited, real excited. And for our, for our leaders, when your company is growing by referrals, that's a great indicator that your solution's working, right? There's good value. Absolutely. And um, Dan and I both know, well, if we only have referrals, what's going on? You know, why aren't we driving the marketing? Why aren't we driving more sales? Because there's an untapped potential for success and growth. So uh, why don't you describe uh, to, our, to, our, to our leaders what your company does and how they provide value, how you provide value for them? Yeah, great question. So probably the best way to think about it is we are an add-in for Microsoft Word. Microsoft Word was created for the masses, mm -hmm. whether it's you, for me, for accountants, whomever. Anyone, students can, can use Microsoft Word, and it's a great product. But it was not designed specifically for legal professionals. And if you think about a legal professional, she or he could conceivably use a hundred or more different features or some of the functionality within Microsoft Word. And they have to jump all over the place in order to find these different features. And unless you use the product every single day, it becomes very cumbersome and an onerous task to draft legal documents. Mm -hmm. And so what we've done is we've essentially taken Microsoft Word and optimized it for legal professionals. Okay. So that's part one. The other part is within law firms, there are a whole bunch of templates that they use in order to create their documents. We have a template management system. So it's the best of both worlds. A, it helps with Microsoft Word. It helps with drafting or creating documents. And then finally, it helps with the whole idea of managing your templates. Awesome. Awesome. And so, so you've recently redone your software to sort of, uh, you know, and what's, what, what, what has that done, Dan, to sort of, you know, uh, provide more value for your customers? Well, first of all, uh, we've combined a number of different solutions. Secondly, it is now a solution that you can use uh, at any time, any place. You don't need to be at the desktop. It is a cloud-based solution. It's one that you can use cross-platform. You can use it on your iPad. You can use it on your phone. You can use it anywhere. And so if you think about a legal professional, they are some of the hardest working people that I know. Definitely. And not only that, but they work sometimes in the office, sometimes late at night, yeah. sometimes at the cottage. You know, it's, it's, they need that flexibility. And our solution provides them that flexibility. And oh, so the value in that, just to give you, a, you know, a little bit of a, to quantify it. So our software saves the typical user an hour a day of drafting time. That's fantastic. But think about, if you think about the model within the legal community, it's all the billable hour. Yes. And so if you free up one hour per day times every single employee within a business, because all legal professionals use Word within, yeah. the, uh, within the law firm. So think of the type of return that they get on buying a piece of software. And so it's a small, like relatively speaking, it's a yeah. small investment. Yeah. The power in terms of the ROI is significant. Well, that's fantastic. And, and one of the other things, again, for our young leaders is, is there are all sorts of amazing businesses like dance that you've never heard of. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> that are Absolutely. Enormous value. 
and it, it, you know, for their customers and an enormous return, you know, uh, you know, so, so it's, it's one of those things where again, this niche business, this niche opportunity, but again, you know, your customers wouldn't want to go anywhere without it. So it really is, it really is neat. You know, people have heard of house painting. Yeah, pretty simple. I got that. But this is kind of these business to business solutions are so, uh, so neat and so plentiful out there. So it's something to look for. They are mission critical or they part, they are part of their desktop and they will not migrate unless they have a solution like this in place. That's how important it is. Yeah. No, and and it, and actually as well, one of the things that I've seen quite commonly, Dan, you know, you mentioned that so many of our our past uh successful operators, you know, get into organizations sales organizations early on. And then they end up elsewhere. And so often they'll end up elsewhere running their own business, seeing a super opportunity, being a partner someplace and just saying, wow, this opportunity is fantastic. I'm going to go seize it. And one of the things is they get all a great look at the industries that they're in because they're selling to all these businesses. And what do you do? And how do you do it? What are your gross margins? And wow, how does your profit run? And and so all of a sudden, it's like you literally have you know, for you, 15 years of corporate experience, seeing all these businesses, right? And saying, wow, I like that type of business. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that, that is, you're 100% correct. When you were in sales and just by the nature of what it is you were doing, you need to understand the businesses that you are selling into. And in right. order to do that, you need to do research and you need to ask questions. Yeah. And so by doing that, you understand what these businesses are all about. And then further to that, one of the things you're always looking for is what are the problems they're trying to solve? Right. So what, what is it that keeps them up at night? Yeah. Why have they engaged with you? Why are they looking to buy your solution? And then it's amazing. You really start to understand how these businesses operate and what makes them work or be successful. And then what are the gaps? What are the issues or problems that they're having? Mm-hmm. And you're 100% correct. It's amazing when you are a sales representative or a sales manager and you're out day in day out seeing these people meeting with these people the type of information and the type of understanding that you can get in a relatively short period of time i was always fascinated by it because i was curious to know how do these businesses what are they doing how are they doing it why are they successful Yeah. yeah so yeah absolutely no, and and the other thing as well is is it's 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 also you're a student, right? You're you're a detective. You're you're interested, obviously, so you can sell something, but you're also interested because you're interested, right? Like that's also a great great thing. I always love I love talking to people who are interested and interesting, but they're interesting because they're interested, right? They oh, how does that work and what's going on? And and I know we had a chat before our podcast, just like the last time we chatted, and we chatted about interesting things and what are you doing and how's that working and why? So so it's it's you know, and, and again, it's kind of a little bit also going above and beyond, right? Because you really are going above and beyond your job and you'll be more successful at it. But also, if it's just you're interested in it, it's not extra work because it, you're, it's just fascinating. You know, and you're coming home and you go, wow, I just I just met this person. He's he or she is running this amazing business. And isn't that neat? You know, so it's really pretty cool. And it's completely transferable. Yes. That's, that, I look at that as a skill, that curiosity, that, that ability to ask questions. I use it every single day in my business. Yeah. I mentioned to you before that 
in these businesses, I knew nothing about software. I didn't, I never, I've never sold software. I'm not a developer. Um, I did, did not come from an IT background. Um, but by asking questions of people I work with, it is amazing what you can learn and where you can take things. And quite frankly, it's not me coming up with the answers. It's the people I'm working with. By asking questions, they, they have all the answers. Yeah. But I find it real interesting just to ask, well, why do we do it that way? Yeah. Have you thought about this? Yeah. Are there any other ways? Is there anything else you've seen? Yeah. Have you seen anyone else who has done it a different way? Yeah. How could we improve that? And they're the ones that come up with the answers. Right. My job is just to ask the questions. And quite frankly, I think it's the easiest job in the world. Just ask <laughs> questions. And it's amazing the type of answers you can get. No, you're so you're so right. So uh um so um, how did you know running a business was for you? Um, you know, as I said, I, I really like challenges. I love a challenge. And, you know, here's a funny story. When I just, just before I joined Student Works, and it was just before I was interviewed, I was, I was at Western, at Huron, actually, within Western, and I wanted to get into the business program. Right. And I was taking Biz 257. And Biz 257 is the prerequisite to get into business school. And I had to drop a course. I got 29% on my exam. Right. And I was devastated. I'm like, okay, I've always wanted to get into business school. I've got 29% on my exam. It was accounting. I mean, that was a nightmare. Yeah. And I got 20, I'd never seen so much red ink on a, on a paper in my entire life. <laughs> but I said to myself at that point in time, I had a choice. I can either let that define me right. and give up. And go, I'm not going to get into business. Or I can say, you know what? Screw that. I'm going to go work for a company like Student Works Pay, and I'm going to make sure that I'm successful. Mm-hmm. And so I truthfully, I had a chip on my shoulder. Right. I was not going to let that, that 29% on that exam, which by the way, my kids still laugh at to this day, like that. How could you possibly get 29% on an exam? <laughs> how do you do that? And and that was the impetus for me. <laughs> to say, I'm going to be successful, no matter what it takes. Awesome. And so I, I still, to this day, I take that with me. Awesome. Awesome. So turning, turning failure into success, right? Turning failure skip on your shoulder, you know? Boom, boom. Absolutely. I'm going I'm to go crush it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. No, well, by the way, I, I would have done worse on that accounting exam. So oh. uh, you, can tell your, you can tell your kids. <laughs> so, uh, so, um. You know, as you went from a university student to a business owner, you know, value creator in the world, what did you have to change about yourself, Dan? Well, I think I think at that point I, I I knew that I needed to do something that was different. I needed to do something that helped me launch my career. I mean, I don't think it's any different now. Back then, it was competitive. We sure. wanted to get into, you know, I aspired to to get into. Uh, you know, for the longest time, I wanted to get a good job within a big corporation. And I knew that being a camp counselor was not going to be differentiated. Right. I just knew that. I knew that, you know, while there's some, some soft skills that you develop there that are really important, I didn't have any other skills. And so if you looked at me or my resume and you compared it to a whole slew of other people, particularly those who have gone to business school and right. successfully, right, and come up with a business degree, and I have an economics degree. I mean, I'm not fighting a fair fight. And yeah. so I knew that I had to do something to differentiate myself. And I knew that, you know, the, the days of 
of having a lot of fun at camp needed to come to an end. I needed to do something that was a differentiator. And I knew that that was something along the lines of running my own business. And so that's how and why I got involved with, with Student Works. And, and so, so if you think about, you know, key habits, you know, uh, if, if someone wanted to do what you did, what key habits would they want to steal from you? You know, what's the secret to your success, Dan? So I live and die by a few things. One of them is, this is like real simple stuff, but I, 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 I do it religiously. Show up on time. And if I, I say I'm going to do something, I do it. And I know it's real simple, but I can guarantee you it will separate you from most other people. Yeah. I pride myself on ensuring I do everything I say I'll do, whether that's following up on an email, phoning a vendor, responding uh, to client requests, completing tasks, getting a project done, whatever. Yeah. And it sounds so easy, but I think you and I both know it's not. It's not. Yeah. Other things get in the way. I always say to people, it doesn't mean that you never make a mistake. It doesn't mean that things don't pop up that mean you can't reprioritize. But at the very least, what you need to do is put your hand up and renegotiate. Talk to the person that you've made the commitment to and say, hey, you know what, Chris, I know I promised I'd get this done for you on this date. Yeah. Things have come up. Are you okay if it's done by this date? Absolutely. You as Chris have a choice. You can yeah. either tell me, yep, that's fine. Yeah. Or no, you got to get it done. Right. And then I work accordingly. Yeah. And I know it's real simple. But you need to do it. And what I found in my career is people love to know they can count on you. Yeah. Love to know you're a rock. And if they ask you to do something, they take great solace in the fact that they know it will be done. Yeah. So that's one thing I do. The other thing, and we kind of touched on this, was this idea of curiosity. I just love to try and figure out things or understand different aspects of how to operate a business. I love to listen and learn from others. And again, I don't necessarily mean academically. I don't mean sitting in the classroom. But I view learning as fun. And quite frankly, I used to get bored in the classroom, probably because things weren't moving at a fast enough pace. But I have found you can learn so much from other people. And I think there's an expression that goes something along the lines of polish your mind with the minds of others. And I love it. Yeah. Right? Still shamelessly borrow from others. You yeah. don't need to be the most creative. Yeah. Um, I'd say the other thing, Chris, that I really try and do from a business perspective is not let things bother me. Mm -hmm. And I don't let them keep me up at night. Yeah. I try and let it go to the side, sleep on it, wake up in the morning super early, energized, and ready to go. Right. I guess the reason I do it is mostly because I view it as a half full, half empty. And I find if it's keeping me up at night, I'm probably not going to look at it from the right perspective. Right. If it gets me up in the morning and I'm energetic, ready to go, willing to tackle this problem, I find I have much better success or uh, a bit much, typically a much better outcome. Yeah. So that's, that's you know, what I do from that perspective. And then the last thing is, I'm not afraid to take a well-calculated risk. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of that stems back from when I was with Student Works, I followed a model, a model that had been there for a number of years. It was proven. There's a step-by-step -step approach in terms of how, you know, where do you look to hire people? Right. 
How do you hire them? What are you looking for? How do you find customers? You know, when you have an approach and you can transfer it or it's transferable, then often what seems like a big risk really isn't. I mean, it doesn't need to be. And so I find that I'm not afraid to take a well-calculated risk. And that's because I believe that the fundamentals or I have the foundation in place to be able to make the decisions that ultimately lead us to the success. Yeah, absolutely. And and I can see, you know, just knowing more or hearing more about your decision to, to buy into Infoware. Well, here's a business that is providing real value and they only grow on the basis of referrals. So it's like, wow, I know on that basis that I can sell more. I can find ways to grow and grow this business. So this seems like a underutilized value, right? So that's yeah. that's probably a really good, a really good, you know, concept. And then okay, let's go check, let's go check, let's go look under the hood. Um, you know, and one of the things as well, and Dan, I'm really, I'm really happy. Um, you know, because certainly that's something that we have just been such big believers in is the four referability habits. And again, doing what you say and being on time. And, and you know, again, so everyone knows Dan was Dan was here right on time with, with our podcast. <laughs> everyone knows, um, you know, we were we, we started right on time. And and uh, and again, it's just that didn't surprise me, you know, and, and, and again, it's like having having the the um, just. I can count on you. That's one of the things you said is, is, is having people get, I can count on you is so powerful. You know, it's like, okay, I got it. You know, Dan's got my back here, you know, and, and, and certainly, certainly um, there's just so much value to that, right. For a customer to say, okay, I know they, they, they've got me. Cause, cause again, if you think about it as well, a customer invests in their, their vendors, right. Okay. Are they going to be here next year? Are they going to be here? Are they going to keep doing this, keep investing in their product? You know, that's so that's just so huge. Why do you say that, Chris? Because one of the things I often talk about clients is exactly that. And that is when they object about object to this idea of what we charge. I mean, software, as I'm sure you're well aware, there's no there's no hard cost to software yes. like there is for a product. And so yeah. they have this perception of this belief that we have a lot of leeway in terms of what we can charge. And and quite frankly, they're right in certain respects. But the right. discussion we have goes something like this. They'll ask. Can we get it for less money? Can, can you just lower the cost per user? Yeah. And my response is this. Sure, but it's in your own best interest for us to be successful. You want us to be successful. Right. So that five years, 10 years, 15 years down the road, you are dealing with an entity that continues to have your best needs in mind. Right. And you know what? Often after that conversation, price is no longer an issue. Yeah. They get it. Yeah, they get that you are there for them, and it's not a one and done. It's yes. not here's the software. Thank you very much. We're done. Yeah, it's a SaaS based model. We're continually improving it. Yeah. As as the provider, our number one thing is to make sure we're always adding value yeah. to the client. Yeah, and from the client's perspective, they want to make sure, or should anyway, that we are successful, so we can continue to do that. Yes, yeah. it just make sense right yeah no and 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 so so everyone understands our young leaders a SaaS model is a software as a service model so you want your software provider to be profitable because that profit allows them to continue to reinvest in the business because the other possible option is is they use it as a cash flow sorry a cash cow meaning it just slowly dies 
customers over time leave the business as this as, as the software's not not uh, continue to be developed and updated and and that that slow slow death you know and that's not what's happening for Dan's business there's growth there's there's development there's there's constant innovation and that's what you want and and that you know again we teach similar things and and um, you know how to how to have a client see the value in you making money how to see the client making value in this this makes sense that my my contractor is profitable because if they aren't the same thing they'll be cutting corners they'll be looking a way to get the job done uh, uh, so that they can make some money you know and 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 you know again you don't want to you don't want to run a commoditized business and and no. you know, something that uh, you know just just anybody can pick up off the shelf uh, you know sorry unless you're Walmart. Uh, or Amazon, because uh, because they've commoditized everybody and they're making oodles of money. So yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. So uh, so one final question, Dan. When, sure. When you think of a leader of tomorrow, what comes to mind? Oh, great question. Um, I think about you know it's already starting to change, and, and I'd argue fairly significantly. In yesteryear, I think a leader was really the type of person that was telling people what they needed to do and how they should be working. And I'd argue today that that, that's pretty much out the window. It is more of a facilitator, right? And it's only gonna become more pronounced as the younger generation gets more and more involved in the workforce. And I think specifically the the leaders of the future need to excel interpersonal skills uh, and interacting with people. you know, this younger generation, they want to be treated like leaders. Yeah. They want trust, autonomy, and independence. Yes. So I really truly believe that the leaders of the future need that emotional intelligence and they need the soft skills. You know, they need to be able to work and help facilitate these incredibly bright individuals. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing that I've really come to appreciate in the last number of years particularly as we uh, have become more global. In fact, some of our development is even done overseas in Romania. There are some incredibly bright individuals. And, you know, the, the, the education that they're getting and the skills that they're developing is incredible. And as a leader, our job is to harness it. Yes. And what better way to harness it is it than facilitating. Mm-hmm. And so I really, truly believe that that is going to be one of the key, key, responsibilities of a leader. Um, of course, they still need to map out where is the business going to be in three and five and 10 years. Right. So yeah, I'm sure you've heard the expression on the business versus in the business. Yes. Really, that's what a leader should be spending most of, of, of her or his time. And that's where do we want this business to be? And then you have the people that are able to make sure that that's where you want. So that's what I think is going to happen with, with the leaders of the future. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Dan, I, I can't agree more. And just, again, just, you know, the soft skills, the, the, the emotion, high emotional intelligence, the ability to work with others, you know, yes, people need to be, um, you know, experts in their areas of, of, of domain and in their skill sets, but those, those things that are really going to fast forward them future into the future. And especially as you mentioned, Really, we need to look at ourselves as 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 not just competing in Canada, but competing worldwide. 
You know, like you literally, we, you know, our industries compete worldwide. And, and so, so again, you're buying supplies around the world, you're selling, selling services around the world. It's, it's, it's just such a global economy as, 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 as is known. Oh, absolutely. And even, even employees, we have, you know, they're, they're not direct employees, but we have relationships with people in various parts of the world. And yeah. there's another element that's introduced. And, uh, I, I truly believe that, that, uh, you know, that as things become more and more complex, as a leader, it becomes more and more difficult to truly understand every aspect of the business. And so you need to rely on these people who are true experts in their, their area. Right. And then you help facilitate between the various areas to ensure that everyone is working well together. And so I think it's real important. Well, that's awesome. Well, well, Dan, thank you so, so much for being so generous and, and spending time today with our young leaders and really making an impact. And, and uh, I, I, uh, I really appreciate it. Thank you very much, Chris. My pleasure. Hey, leaders, I hope you enjoyed this episode. By now, you are aware that we work with ambitious students every single year to not only help them run their first successful business, but to further their development as a leader and give them an unfair advantage in the future over their counterparts. It's why starting now and only for the next few weeks, we'll be on campuses across Ontario, Quebec, and the East Coast interviewing students who think they have what it takes to start their first business and get started down their path of entrepreneurship. If you think you have what it takes or know someone who might be interested, visit leaderspodcast.ca slash apply and start your application process today. Once again, it's leaderspodcast.ca slash apply. And I can't wait to see you on the other side.